You're tuned to The Trail Show. Get on the trail! Long-time listener, first-time caller. Arriba, 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 tota! It's The Trail Show. Bam! Ah! Featuring Lawton Disco Grinter. Never slap a man who's chewing tobacco. Felicia P.O.D. Hermosillo. I'm against historical trash. Mike Dilo DiLorenzo. Embrace the brutality. Daniel Out of Order Alvarez. What's up, Trail Show? And now broadcasting live from Boulder, Colorado, it's The Trail Show. Coming to you live from the Bobby Stanton Studio in various historic Colorado, South Carolina, and Vermont beer districts. This is The Trail Show. The Trail Show is the longest-running monthly hiking podcast on the planet and has been downloaded over one million times all over the globe. We are on the air and everywhere and heard worldwide on all your favorite apps and at thetrailshow.com. If you're not already on the Trail Show mailing list, you should be. Subscribe now at thetrailshow.com. All right, folks, it's November and Thanksgiving is right around the corner. We here at the Trail Show won't be slaughtering a turkey this year and have instead have chosen to pardon the traditional Trail Show turkey. We will be serving up other Thanksgiving treats, including whatever might be on the Trail Show menu tonight. P.O.D., please read that menu. Uh, Well, I didn't get that memo and all I have are various dead turkey parts to serve up, so... Yes, What's your go-to turkey part for Thanksgiving? Do you like a leg? You go for the dark I mean, meat, light meat. Obviously, I go for the white meat. Skin. I mean, look who I married, but uh, but <laughs> <laughs> no, um, not ooh, skin. Gross. No, I cannot do that. I what? like the yeah. I I don't really. I'm not really a meat person all that much. I don't really care that much, but. <laughs> I, I suppose I'd probably go for the breasticles. That's what I go for. No, My I usually, I usually super... force Disco to eat a leg every year. That's good. I, I feel like the leg is always looks and my thought about it is it's better than it actually ends up being in reality. Mm-hmm. No, I think like the leg's actually... Up, I'm like, yes. And yeah. then I'm like, no. Yeah. No. no the breast it's pretty, where it's at. It's pretty good. And I also, I we cook smaller turkeys. So the leg's not like a, it's not like a commitment. You know yeah. what I mean? It's not like you're you not club somebody with it. Yeah, it's not the the NFL Thursday, you know, post football game turkey yeah. leg. It's it's just like a, a leg. We the biggest. We typically cook micro turkeys, but this year we're cur- cooking a nano turkey. Oh, <laughs> like barely see it. <laughs> Cornish game hen or something. Actually, game. we're gonna have we're gonna have grilled pork loin for Thanksgiving. Yeah, to be honest. But on the trail show trail show menu, there is no grilled pork loin for any of y'all except for Disco because he'll be here. Uh, no, we've got some. Uh, we got some game hens are a okay in my book. Quite delicious. Let me ask you this Thanksgiving issue that comes up in my family. My dad tries to eat real healthy, uh-huh. and so his partner always makes him mashed potatoes but instead of using like butter and cream she uses olive oil that's fine no, we'll see it's here's not a, fine. here's the it's thing disgusting here's Just, the thing yeah. it's one day it's I, one day live your life 
Yeah, exactly. Put some butter in the mashed mm-hmm. potatoes. Put some and butter enjoy in the mashed potatoes. It. Put some cream in there. Yeah, that's all. Like, no. Just I think it, I don't like those types out. of mashed potatoes. I think that tastes gross. And honestly, in this house, we don't use dairy because Disco can't eat dairy. Mm. So I have learned over the years how to make really delicious mashed potatoes. And I actually use, um, I think it's called Violife. I put Violife cream cheese in my mashed potatoes. Herbalife. And, and, and a little bit of uh, unsweetened, unsweetened almond milk. And it, it tastes so, and salt and pepper. It's so good. There's no butter in it. There's no not oh, even I fake butter in that. it. Yeah. Beauty, you should Maybe. bring those potatoes to Boulder. You could sell them there. They would love them right up the rally. It's dairy free. You know what I saw today for the first time Amazing. was mashed sweet Amazing. potatoes. How is it the first time you've ever seen mashed sweet potatoes? potatoes? Are you not an American? Today was the day. I may I may drop the, out of the meeting real quick. That's fine. Do they have um do they have marshmallows or brown sugar on top? Because that's not. how they serve them in the I South, know. usually. Yeah, it's true. marshmallows. They did not have any marshmallows on them. It was just... Which is really up. unnecessary. I mean, it's they're gross. already sweet. They're already sweet. Delicious. Yeah. Sometimes anyway. you got to have your marshmallow sweet potato casserole with a side of 25-ounce sweet tea. No, with a side of green bean casserole. Just put some sugar on top of that. Jello casserole. You know, we don't. Last year for Thanksgiving, we had grilled salmon. Oh, that'd be good. I'm trying to get my aunt to what? make a paella instead of a turkey, but yes, I, Ooh, I, no, no. I like the non-traditional Thanksgiving no. dinner. It's kind of fun. What's wrong, Dilo? No. This is not okay. Just cook a turkey. I'm going to cook a turkey in two weeks, but it's just going to be disco night for Thanksgiving. I'm not going to get to cook a turkey just for us. You cut Why the turkey you without Ga- me? Why aren't you going to be in Gaffney for Thanksgiving? I don't understand this. You're there Because now. I do not travel on Thanksgiving, my friend. That is why I'm here yeah. now, and I'll be going home this weekend. That makes total sense. Yeah. Well, Trail Show listeners, we'd love to hear your favorite Thanksgiving recipes. So I, I'd like to hear to not just your favorite, us. but like the weirdest. Yeah. Especially weird. all those Midwesterners, because like... I went to a Thanksgiving dinner once and I didn't think anything was edible on the hot table. Dish. I was like, what what is hot all dish. of this stuff? You gotta get yeah, hot I was like dish. the broccoli with like ten gallons of the melted Velveeta cheese poured on top of it, and then like the quote jello salad, unquote, which is red jello on top of cream cheese and pretzels, you know? Whoa. Oh. Where was it? Yeah, there's some. Yeah, Michigan, man. Where Michigan. was that? Oh, Midwestern. Man. Talk about like you know, we were talking about Triple O's dad could go off the wagon for one day, but if you're gonna go on that wagon, <laughs> day off. You should not. You yeah, should stay off away, the wagon. Step away from that wagon because that wagon, you know, you could do that one day on that wagon. Next thing you know, you're just laid out and you're done. <laughs> no, I mean he that's had, what people he eat. Had Thanksgiving one day. Yeah, and that's the, the case. He died. Yeah, they write that on the cause of death. Yeah, I mean, that's <laughs> a... It's just gonna say Michigan Thanksgiving, hot yeah. dish, jello salad, and marshmallow <laughs> sweet potatoes. I know we got. I know we got some <laughs> listeners in the mitten. We so they need to call in and tell us some of the yeah. other dishes that I'm forgetting about. And Can if we talk survive? about Mike DiLorenzo's beer of the month, please. Yeah, let's please. do it. Oh yeah. I am drinking yet another new beer from the River Roost 
brewery. This one is called Project Object. It is a double IPA. It is a rotating experimental series. There is nothing here for me to read except that it is project number P0-021. It is one pint of ale. It has 8.0% alcohol by volume, and it is made with a Nectaron hops. And the River Roost Brewery is right here in White River Junction, Vermont. And every time I go to the grocery store, they have got something new from this brewery in the grocery store. It's pretty amazing. Wow. Yep. This one is a little bit too juicy for my tastes, but it's all right. I can't complain. Hmm. What do you mean by juicy? Yeah, what juice are we it's talking about? A little about? fruity. It's just it's just uh, a touch okay. fruity. It's a touch fruity for an IPA. I kind of as I mature in my beer drinking ways, I like my IPAs to be a little bit more on the classic side and a little bit more bitter and malty than this kind of fruit juice sipping explosion that like my child could drink. I've got a Pennsylvania beer. Uh, this month that is not from Boo and Slapjaw. This beer I hold in my hand is from America's oldest brewery. It is mm. a traditional lager. It is from the DG Yingling and Son Brewery out of Pottsville, Pennsylvania. It is, in fact, Yingling lager. I haven't had mm. Yingling in a long time, and it actually tastes a whole lot better than I remember it. So, more Pennsylvania beer. This would be a macro brew. <laughs> I yeah, I would say. I'm drinking a lovely Coke Zero. Ooh. I'm drinking a Victory Berry Monkey Fruited Sour Triple. Oh, Victory is nine point five percent. Oh, oh man, whoa! Hold on. Yeah, Victory seat. makes some really good Belgian style beers. Yeah, it's very nice. Where is, isn't Victory also from Pennsylvania? Where is Victory from? Victory is, yeah, Downington, Pennsylvania. Oh, how do you like oh the that? Pennsylvania beer wagon mm-hmm. just, it keeps riding, man. Hmm. Here in Vermont, it's really hard to buy beer that's not from Vermont. Yeah. I don't even know if they let you br- import beer that's not hmm. from Vermont into the state. It's really hard. Dilo, is it true that Vermont still does not have billboards along the highway? That is correct. Vermont? There are no billboards. That is awesome, man. It is. That is awesome. Yeah, they do have lots of little signs everywhere telling you about all the businesses that are off coming up on the road. Yeah, yeah. You know, off the exits. Well, not so much in the interstates. There's no, the interstate. The interstate has the blue signs that tell you that there are services. Yeah. And then when you get to the end of the road, there's you know, gas this way, food that way half mile whatever but, but there's they don't no really... personal injury there's... lawyer billboards mm-hmm. no you got to go to new hampshire mile. for that no okay. just across the river in new hampshire you go across the river you're like ah billboards. okay ah it's just what i needed in my life <laughs> awesome yep trail news ladies and gentlemen Tonight we have trail news. Here it is. Okay, uh, let's see here. Well, I'm going to punt over to you guys. Uh, late, late this afternoon, there was some, some frenzy on the text thread about a shelter that's being removed in the Smokies. Oh, Yes, the Overmountain Shelter. 
Why the is it big red room? barn? Oh, that one. Okay, it yeah. Why? Why? No more. Why is it being removed? A uh, hantavirus. Obama. Outbreak. Meth. Obama. Obama. <laughs> <laughs> there, there was a meth yeah. lab in the uh, Over Mountain Shelter. The Over Mountain Shelter is like, Iconic. it's just such an icon. Yeah. I literally remember going there in a snowstorm. And if that place, I mean, it was like a refuge because it has every wall. I mean, the walls are not exactly great, but it was, right. it, it might yeah. have. It certainly saved a lot of pain. Wait, it's been closed for four years. But I think it, it's been like officially gone, gone. Why? Yeah, though? So it was I like for know. four years, you could sleep in the decrepit shelter. And it was <laughs> that sounds safe. closed. It's closed. But it was still there. And so now they decided to tear it down. I think yeah. it probably just was too old, too unsafe. Oh, okay. I mean. Maybe they'll build a new one. Like the friendship right. shelter, that one. Why that's, wouldn't they build a new one? You know, I was last like in the Over Mountain Shelter twenty-four years ago for a snack break, midday. Nice. And I cruised on to Doll Flats to get ready to go through the the next section of trail north that had been rumored that around Apple House Shelter is having people hanging fish hooks at eye level. Oh, they say that every year. Yeah. Uh, everywhere, everywhere, there's fish hooks at eye level. Yeah. Yeah. In the south. And how do they know? Like, what if you and Deal are hiking together? How do they know whose eye level to hang it at? Right. I mean, exactly. Completely You're different. Like, oh, it could be like you know two feet from the ground, or it could be like eight feet from the ground. Right. You know? Exactly. Yeah. Totally. All right. Well, I guess uh, we'll see what happens. Maybe they'll put up a new one. Also, um, Jim Blodgett got in touch with me and let me know about an AT closure that was happening. Count the blazes. Um, yes, org. Jim Blodgett from Count the Blazes. You know, Lower portion. I was going to say real quickly, I went to Jim Blodgett's website and it led me to an interesting YouTube video. Really? Have hmm. any of y'all been to counttheblazes.org? No, I think recently? I have not right yet. Yeah, I, I would like to encourage all of you to, to type in that website and see where it takes you. It's kind of. It's a great website. I mean, it really is informative. Yeah, I don't know. I'd be curious in, in particular to see what Delo thinks about Jim Blodgett's website counttheblazes.org it's a good learning resource it is so what is the news <laughs> uh the news oh, that jim loves this guy this the news man. that jim blodgett sent me is that there is an at closure um oh on the approach trail the amicalola falls approach trail so the amicalola falls state park um part of that trail is going to be closed for several more months i'm really struggling tonight starting on november 20th for construction now, wait, so, a minute. wait a minute. What happens if the cry. approach trail is closed mm -hmm. when people start their through hikes? How do you get to the trailhead? You got to go it, to that other forest road and you got to hike backwards gotta, a mile. Does and then, it mean their hikes are going to be invalid? Invalid. I so. Yeah. I think so. I don't think anybody should. I think you should just not hike the AT next year. Oh, for sure. I mean, yeah. if I mean, the approach trail or, closes, there'll be an. That's asterisk. a highlight be an asterisk beside your height yeah just like any university of michigan wins from here on out asterisk <laughs> beside the score i'm so sorry twinkle i'm so very sorry yep <clears throat> anyway we have a few michigan fans out there yeah so We're jim so blodgett sorry. is going to keep us posted on that 
see what happens. Thank you, Jim. Yep. Appreciate it. I hope um, they didn't uh, mess up the count. Yeah, I'm Ooh, curious. What? I think originally I mean, it is the approach trails. So. Yeah. How does that affect? The we'll count? see. The blaze. Well, count. because the thing is, is that now you have to go to that Forest Service road. You have to hike backwards a mile. So, do you oh. count those blazes backwards no. and then forwards? Those are blue yeah. blazes. Those are not white blazes. No, but you have to actually hike on the AT backwards a mile to get to the top of of um, Springer Mountain when you start the AT. If you start from the Forest Service road. Oh yeah. So the, so if you don't, if you start at the Forest Service road and you don't hike southbound to Springer, then your hike is completely, one hundred percent, invalid. Yeah. Oh yeah. You get to Katahdin, you get up there, he'd be like, "I did it! I'm there!" They'd be like, what? "Did you? Wait, Dilo, where what? did you start?" Where did you start? I started the Forest Service. Or did you go to Springer? No, I mean, I just... Uh, Point of know, clarification. Doesn't count. doesn't count. If you hike from Springer to Katahdin and then come back to Springer to do the approach trail, is that considered a flip-flop? And wait, if you hike from Springer Spr to Katahdin yes. and then Katahdin back to Springer... No, no, no. If you oh. hike from Springer to Katahdin, and yeah. then you get a ride back to Springer, and then hike south on the approach trail, is that considered a flip-flop? No, that's just considered like... <laughs> that's like, absolutely a flip-flop. It is! a flip-flop. You didn't know. No, you did. The flip-flop is like you have to go up and back. No, that's no, a yo-yo. Yo -yo. yo -yo. oh, yes, that's a yo-yo. Dude. Oh, oh, oh! I'm so, oh, you're right. It's a yo-yo. Where have a you flip flop? Dude, I'm sorry. I'm trying loop, to. I'm trying man. to share the clown the blazes. The Pennsylvania beer is getting to him. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. My friend, uh, my friend Elvis, he he got to the Forest Service Road and then was like, "Wait, what? The starts a mile that way, but Katahdin's that way." He's like, "Nah," and he just went north. He didn't so get his, spring. His hike was invalid. <laughs> Honestly, I admire people. I know. Like I do I too. Can't do that, and I actually have a lot of respect for them. Me too. Uh, okay, another news item. This just keeps coming back around, people. Pablo Escobar and his <laughs> hippopotamos. The hippos. The hungry hippos. <laughs> <laughs> the Sorry, cocaine hippos. <laughs> Hippopotamus. Hippopotamo. El hippopotamo. Uh huh. So they're going to start. <laughs> Why is that so funny? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> oh, man. They're going to start sterilizing the hippos. Um, oh, yeah. No. Yes. There's a hundred hippos right now. Um, and the plan includes steriliz sterilization of 40 hippos a year, okay? And also they're going to transfer some of those hippos to other countries, and they're also going to possibly euthanize some of the hippos. Because, you know, we talked about this before, that the, the problem is the population is going to, they're expecting it to explode. So right now they're at 169, and they're expecting that by 2035, if they do nothing, nothing there'll be a thousand hippos so that's pretty rough and it's just wreaking havoc on their ecosystem so but for each sterilization it costs almost ten thousand dollars and it's super dangerous for the hippo for the crew that's working with the hippo so uh, it's a it's pretty bleak situation so 
What? Yeah. Um, so I was on the website countthehippos.org. <laughs> now the it's called cuentalosipopotamos.org. .org. <laughs> and I noticed that Jim Blodgett's got a hand in that website too. He's got the some clickers out to, there. You got to gotta walk them. around and try to count all the hippos and get and close enough die. that you can click them. <laughs> so yeah, Pablo Escobar, he sees the gift that keeps on giving. The the cocaine hippos just keep coming back around, man. There's no escaping them. Hmm. Wow. Very interesting. Yeah. So no one's stuck in toilets this month? No, there was a person that, you know, got stuck on the mountain, but well, that's going to happen all the time. Not worth really reporting. There was someone who followed a Google Maps trail that didn't exist and got had to be rescued. But I feel like I our think, listeners are too smart to do that. Yeah. Yes, I, for sure. I agree. Yep. That's for sure. Right. So, yeah, that's it for trail news. You know, we're getting into the winter months. The news gets a little thin. So... You know, you can expect this type of hard-hitting journalism from the Princess of Darkness in the future. All right, Dila, let's start with you. Trips this past month. Uh, I'll leave all of my mountain biking trips. Yeah, we don't off, talk about things with the wheels trail show. on the we trail show. We'll talk about them. We'll talk about the lovely mountain biking experiences I've had here. I will talk about a lovely hike that was not on the Appalachian Trail. But it was on a semi-long distance path called the Cross Rivendell Trail, which runs a which runs 36 miles from <clears throat> somewhere just over the Connecticut River in Vermont to the summit of Mount Cube, where I hiked to uh, a few uh, last week or the week before. Mount Cube is a 2,900 foot mountain with with a lovely summit filled with granite and Krumholtz and picture-perfect views of the White Mountains stretching to the north. And I hiked there on a day after a little bit of snow. And that's when I realized that in order to continue hiking in the shoulder seasons here in the Northeast, I needed to get some boots. Because walking in a light snowfall when it's 25 degrees with your ultras <laughs> doesn't work out so well. So a week or two after that, I got myself a nice pair of insulated Polar Tech waterproof boots. Ooh. Comfortable, and I could slosh around in the snow with them. Probably even shovel my driveway with those things. Walk my son to school when it's snowing. Wonderful stuff. But anyways, Mount Cube, great views, a lot of bang for the buck. It was maybe five miles round trip, 1,600 foot vertical gain, if I remember correctly. So a nice little stout little hike, but nothing crazy. And uh, just real nice forest, nice trail. Cross Rivendell Trail, 36 miles. I walked the Pierce Lake uh, Boardwalk Trail, which is an out and back that's about three and a half miles with approximately 10 feet of elevation gain over in Chelsea, Michigan with my parents. And yeah, that's about all I have to report. I've just been keeping it local here when I've been in Salida, so. Keeping it local. You know. I went and hiked part of the Palmetto Trail while I ran Ooh. it. It was a Ooh. section called the Peak to Prosperity Passage. It's about 10.8 miles. Peak? It's an old uh, rail, it's a, a rail to trail trail. Mm -hmm. um it goes it has like 
crosses like 20 bridges, including a big, an old railroad bridge over the Broad River, which is a pretty big river, which is really nice at one end. And it ends just like at, in the, like it just ends at, like they just stopped transforming the track into a trail and it just has a sign that says the end. There's no parking lot at the end, <laughs> just in <laughs> like the nearest parking lot is like a mile back. Um, okay. uh, so yeah, what they still you, have a little bit do? of work to do to connect them, but. What did you do when you got to the end? I went back to you the turned beginning. around. Yeah. You did a yo-yo. A yo-yo. <laughs> But it was nice. It was, you know, very pretty. The colors are changing. It was nice to think about how this trail will hopefully one day be all connected and you can walk across the state of South Carolina. I mean, you can do it now, but you have to figure out a few sections to connect. Yeah. yeah. Take your life into your own Sounds head. nice. And when I got back, there was a wedding that was happening along like the 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 big bridge had like this wedding reception that was it was enclosed but right when i was getting close i think they had finally said their vows and they were clapping right at the end and it was like they were cheering for me but they were did you run like, up did you run up in the middle <laughs> hey thanks a lot <laughs> no no i stayed away respectfully but it was a it was a interesting wedding all the bridesmaids were wearing red the bride, bride was in black the groom was mm. in like biker paraphernalia i don't know it was it was a it was like, like a fun wedding a fun wedding yeah very cool sounds like a Mich sounds like a michigan thanksgiving to me trail magic <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, i mean it's not right by that i mean it's not right it's not right hey michiganders enjoy their thanksgiving Okay. Do they like do they like their hot dish up there? Do they? The they do, dish? and they enjoy yeah. it. They're not all uptight yeah, yeah. about their like us you know, New Englanders. The exactly. Their their macronutrients. You know, so my trip report is actually a good segue into our trail of the month. So I'm oh. currently in South Carolina, and today I hiked a section of the Over Mountain Victory National Historic Trail, which is actually a 300 mile uh commemorative motor route but there's 87 miles of walkable pathways that parallel the motor route and i was on a section of the walkable pathway about four miles from my mom's house today and i actually posted a photo on our socials so go check out a picture of that um i just did a short like couple hour hike and the fall you know it's mid-november all the beech trees and the oak trees are in, you know, full fall color. The temperature's nice. The bugs have gone away. Like this is the perfect time to oh, be hiking in the nice weather. Yeah. And I tell you what, with that, let's take a break. And when we come back, we're going to feature the Natchez Trace is our trail of the month and a unique uh, group of guys that, or I should say a group of guys that did a unique traverse of said trace so don't go anywhere
Hey, this is the Bobby Stanton, and I never listen to the trail show. All right, folks, the trail show is back, and we have two special guests on this month's show. We've never featured the Natchez Trace. We have featured the Sheltowee Trace, which also kind of a southeastern trail of sorts. The Natchez Trace is interesting. So just like uh, before break, I was talking about my hike on the Overmountain Historic Trail, which is trails that parallel kind of a motor route or parkway. The Natchez Trace is kind of the same. So uh, the Natchez Trace Commemorative Parkway is about 440 miles. It's a recreational road. And the Natchez Trace National Scenic Trail is about 60 miles of hiking that parallels the parkway. And this month, we've got two guys on the show, which I'm, I'm really stoked to have, Moondog and Justin, who did an end-to-end of the 440-mile parkway via skateboard. And I, I know that there's people, there's people gasping and pulling their hair out. We've been doing the show for 11 and a half years. We've never featured any Trail of the Month where the the mode of travel was not directly on foot, but these guys did it through hiker style. So, well, I would also argue that when you're skateboarding, you do technically have one foot on the ground most of the time, right? That that's a good point, and True. it's yeah. self powered without yes. a motor. So yeah, let's let's get into it. Moon Dog and Justin, thank you for being on the show tonight. Yeah, thank you for having us. Yeah, appreciate it. Absolutely. So let's just start with the Natchez Trace. Where is it? What states does it go through? And when did you guys do it? So we just completed the Natchez Trace southbound um, in mid-October. And it goes through three states. It starts in Nashville, Tennessee, goes southwest to Natchez, Mississippi, and it just clips uh, northwest Alabama as well. Um, but most of it is in Mississippi. I'd probably say about two thirds of the route is in Mississippi. Um, and it's an old route that's been used for thousands of years, starting with the indigenous people of the area, the Choctaw, the Chickasaw were using that as a trade route. And before then, from what I understand was used as, um, like a big game migration route. And so because of the soil in the area, it actually thousands of years of foot travel has caused kind of a little valley to form uh, and that's called the old trace that actually kind of runs along the road um so that's kind of cool to kind of be a part of that and in the olden days of early america that was actually the old southwest united states before we even owned uh land west of the mississippi so that was kind of like a frontier of sorts in the early 1800s and the natchez trace back then um obviously we took land from the natives and we use that um, for our our own travel, and so it's kind of had a, a complicated history, and now it's now it's a paved national park uh, scenic trail. So why did you guys go southbound instead of northbound? I'm just curious. Downhill, man. It's all downhill. That's exactly. <laughs> Actually, whenever uh, we first started talking about it, I pitched that we go northbound. And luckily, Justin talked me out of that because it was definitely more downhill for us. Okay. Was it? Right, okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know what I was thinking. It would have been awful. Well, and I, and honestly, I guess before we get into 
the Natchez Trace. So you guys have through skated other things, right? So so mm -hmm. give us a little background on that. Like, how did you get into this niche? <laughs> this is super niche, man. <laughs> For sure, yeah. There's it's kind of a microscopic community. Yeah, uh, I grew up skating. <laughs> And uh, like grew up skating, kind of did the whole like photographer, filmer, skater thing uh, through like high school and college years. And then later on, I got more into distance skateboarding and at the same time was getting into backpacking and kind of saw how you could combine them, even though people weren't really doing it with like a through hiker mentality. Um, like the gear we carry is the exact stuff you'd see a through hiker on the PCT carrying, like the exact same gear. And so when... Uh, I graduated college. I skated across Florida end to end. It was like a thousand miles from the Alabama border down to Key West. Yeah. And I did that southbound and Moondog was through hiking the Florida trail, carrying a skateboard with him because the Florida trail what? is no notorious. Ah, yes. road walks, a man. lot of roadwalks. And so he started his southbound hike before me and I heard about him because that was like the only the second time anyone had attempted the Florida trail with a skateboard. And so we ended up meeting at like a trail days event uh, in the middle of my skate and he'd actually gotten off trail. And that was the first time we'd met in person and we were just kind of going back and forth and decided I, I somehow convinced him to uh, ditch the walking and maybe just try something where we just skate. And so from then we ended up going to New Mexico together uh, maybe a month or so later, and we skated northbound from the Mexico border to the Colorado border. Um, and Whoa. so that's that a was, lot of uphill. Yeah, that was a lot of uphill. Yeah, that was my god. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so that was unique. And uh, I mean, it is it's different than a hike because obviously you're on open roads, um, uh -huh. but you are right. also completely self supported camping, mostly like stealthing it, like any. Yeah broke through hiker would stealth in a city park on their resupply. That's like what we were doing every day, pretty much sleeping under bridges and parks and open. I have land. so many questions about this. Like <laughs> this question that's been brewing in my mind that I've always thought about is like, do you have one like really huge leg from like the, whatever <laughs> that's called switch, man. Or, or, you the, the pushing? or you push with both, both feet. And there's yeah. a word for pushing with both feet, right? What is the word? Switch. No yeah, push switch. Uh, uh, it could be called Mongo, but Mongo is usually considered like that would be your dominant uh, yeah, way of like, pushing, and Mongo is using your front foot to push. Yeah. Um, uh, but otherwise, you would switch. And since I grew up skating, I learned that like pushing both ways, and so for me, it helps. Okay. Yeah, keep keep the. That's too bad because I really wanted to imagine the <laughs> yeah. two of you in like tiny little hiker shorts with one like Popeye leg, you know, just like huge uh, leg. And then, I mean, I know everybody has a ton of questions. And like you said, your setup is mostly similar to like a, a traditional through hiker. But I'm curious about the skateboard itself. Like, do you have to carry like bearings, wheels, like an Allen wrench, all the things, you know? A lot of our gear is actually uh, built to go long distances, and it's uh, just incredibly reliably built. So we've never really had a problem out there. We do generally carry a bearing uh, with us just in case something happens, uh, but sometimes we forget it also. Uh, so 
but really we don't need to carry much extra gear with us not like an extra wheel or anything you do you carry a skate wow you carry one of those like i don't know if they still make them like those skate tools with the bearing popper and a couple different like hex hex head like wrenches you know like i forget what those things are called but i found like a tiny little metal thing that uh it's it basically is like a key ring yeah and uh that has like you know it's like a it's got um, an opening for your kingpin and your axle yeah. um, and then, you know, uh, Phillips head and, and whatever, mm-hmm. an Allen key. So you do carry the a bolts. small skate key, yes. A tiny little thing. And then I'll carry one bolt and one nut and one bearing. <laughs> That's That'll cover the bases. The wheels last forever. The board okay. would have what to be a freak accident wheels? and get run what over. What kind of wheels do you use? Because, like, wheels are a thing. Like, people have different wheels for different types of skateboarding. But do you have, like, really tall soft wheels or do you have, like, really tall hard wheels or do you have wide wheels soft wheels tell us about your wheel it's kind of weird because we are distance skaters but most of the boards that people use for distance are usually skating on like a nice bike path or a smooth road but we're sometimes skating on like loose gravel and so the wheel choice doesn't necessarily have like the fastest top speed but it's just a big tank that'll roll over any bad yeah. thing so it's, so it's like soft wheels so yeah real tall like for any anybody out there that might skate we have 85 millimeter wheels which are massive and then they're yeah. pretty soft durometer urethane um what, so you can roll over a lot of things 77a oh that's they're super soft right super soft yeah yeah, yeah okay I used and to then a real wide contact patch too to me. yeah and then what'd mm-hmm. you say well, a, v- a real wide contact patch too uh-huh. So okay. it, it kind of grips around corners a little better because mm-hmm. every so, every hill that you skate is unseen to you before. So every corner yeah. you're skating is like, you know, no. will I grip this or not? <laughs> and then Ooh, what is a yeah. distance board? How does that differ from like kind of a traditional street skating or ramp skating board? Um, the distance boards are they have a, their trucks are mounted through the board. And so that kind of lowers the platform a little bit to the ground. And then the deck itself also where you stand is lower than the trucks are. And so it has a double drop effect. And so that basically means the distance your leg has to go to the ground is shorter, which is more efficient for pushing over oh, a lot of okay. pushes. You, you mm-hmm. might call that oh, yeah. like camber, right? There's like some camber. I wouldn't call it camber because camber uh-huh. kind of means that the Camber's trucks are like at the same little, spot, whereas yeah. the deck itself uh, lowers and then flattens out in the standing platform. So the standing platform is completely flat, but it's just oh. dropped below the trucks. Does it, does it just kind of go like mm-hmm. that? Mm-hmm. Really? It's some wizardry. Yeah. This is so a we a we've deck. Huh. we've never ever talked seriously about any piece of gear on the show. Yeah. So this is pretty exciting. <laughs> yeah. wow. We're actually talking about skateboards and wheels. So that's yeah. pretty great. Distance skateboards are kind now, of like like oh my god long trucks that like yeah Dilo, can you look at trucks. look it up on google okay no, we're gonna I move can't. on with the interview know. i want our, our um to talk about this but every every aspect of how that thing is built was based off like how we do so like everything uh, how we do things so like everything was uh is like built for the things that we're gonna uh see ahead of us and like the unforeseen things like justin was saying yeah. So, and like, even point, though it's like simple mechanics, like uh, everything yeah. is just designed down to like even the little things. At any point during the through skate, did someone pull up in a vehicle beside you and roll down the window and yell, "Do a kickflip"? 
Oh yeah. That's a <laughs> really that's a that's a good one. Yeah, we love that. <laughs> okay, good, good. Yeah, no, D, both Dilo and I have have skate backgrounds. I never learned tray flips, but I, I skated street uh for a long time in my teenage years and my twenties, and uh I I miss it. Um I don't do it anymore because I don't want to die. <laughs> and uh <laughs> At the ripe old age of 47, I would probably die. I don't know. Now, <laughs> I have a question. Um, Justin, you said that you're also through hiker and moondog. I'm not sure if you are as well, or a long distance hiker. Mm-hmm. I'm curious. I feel like um, when I think about the perception uh, of the public towards travelers, I think long distance hikers are regarded as like really cool or, you know, whatever. And I think people think about skaters as punks and, you know, Clay Jacobson, a a guy that we interviewed who put the Idaho Centennial Trail back on the map and it's pretty hardcore. He actually traveled across the country in trains um, after Mm. he had done a hike because he wanted to see the difference between the way that he was viewed, even though he was traveling long distance on a shoestring, the way that he was viewed by the public was very different. And so I was curious since you since you've been in both worlds i was curious if you um if you if you experienced any differences or if you noticed that at all that the way the public interacted with you was perhaps different as a skater versus a long distance hiker there's definitely no doubt i mean growing up was constant getting harassed by people that have no skin in the game the fact that you're skating on a sidewalk or cops just harassing you nonstop. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, I got off the Colorado trail this fall and that was my first actual through hike. And I mean, I'm sure a lot of people can relate to being on a popular trail like that, where you're kind of lauded when you get into town, yes. people know yep. about yep. you and hikers, yep. they're not entitled, but they do expect, you know, some level yep. of, oh, there'll be trail angels there, or people know about where my trailhead is. It's easy to hitch and stuff like that. Um, and then, yeah, when you drop yourself in the middle of new mexico on a rural highway you're just Mm. a bum with a backpack which to us we kind of prefer that um it just kind of pulls away any entitlement and it's just you come as you are and you're a human Mm -hmm. being and i didn't pick up a trail name for a long time because you're not on a trail when you're skating like that and yeah um it is definitely a different approach and people are a little bit i wouldn't say um you know, because you're not grinding on any rails and people aren't upset at skaters in the punk way, but it's, <laughs> they look at you a little differently when you're just riding on a shoulder with no town yeah. for 50 miles in either direction. So it's know. actually interesting how many elderly people uh, come and talk to us and like tell us about their grandchildren skating. Like mm-hmm. that was actually something with uh, it being in the Olympics uh, on the last go around. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That like now there's like way broader audiences that are seeing it and like now are interested in it. That's kind of. And cool. when you do run into a skater, I'm sure that they're like super psyched about seeing yeah. what you're doing out there. On yeah. Your we actually we were in New Mexico one time, and um, I mean the downhill skateboarding community is also just as small and niche as like the yeah. distance skateboarding scene. And we were walking through Santa Fe, through the historic downtown, and I saw this guy carrying an, like a, a proper downhill setup from a company that had been out of business like five years ago and like, you know, downhill wheels. And I'm like, what is this guy doing with this setup? And I pointed out to Moondog and then we were skating a few more blocks and then we hear wheels coming up from behind 
And that guy had spotted us and was just so excited. He ditched his friends, <laughs> took his board and skated with us and was like, y'all like downhill runs? Like, let me show you the spots around Santa Fe and just ditched Whoa. his friends. And Whoa. so, yeah, when we do see skaters, they get real excited, especially, I mean, we're, we have our backpacks on and really bizarre setups too. So mm-hmm. for a street skater, that, most of them have never seen a distance board. That dude had the best nickname as well. It was Skate Squatch. <laughs> 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 It's good. Uh, what what I kind of um, what kind of I'm curious if you guys wear any safety gear, you know, like pads, helmet, wrist guards, anything like that when you're out there. Uh, we is. do wear helmets. Um, yeah, we wear helmets with reflectors on them, and that's mm-hmm. pretty much about it. Um, okay, we're we're in uh, basically hiking gear uh, while we're skating. Um, but yeah, hopefully the our backpacks will take some of the blow. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. it's actually my strategy if I ever fall down a hill, which I haven't fallen going that fast where you can't run it out, but it's just to fully commit and going on your turtle shell and just sliding. I fall and going pretty fast pushing, and that did work. Uh, I was able to just slide on my pack, and other than a few uh, a few abrasions, it, was, it survived. Shout out Gossamer Gear. Um, nice. Oh, nice! Yeah, it, it survived somehow. But if you were falling at a high speed, I mean, already it's hard to run out a bale when you're going downhill, much less 25, 30 pounds on your back. So I can't even imagine. Gonna, yeah, you're gonna smack the ground like real quick. So I'd rather. I mean, I think about stay cautious and preventative. Yeah, <laughs> I've fallen a couple times just like trail running, and I do not run fast. I'm quite slow, but just like the mass of just my body, like coming down you know, going slightly faster than two and a half miles an hour, I suppose. I can't imagine being on a board with like all that weight on your back and you're going so fast. That's I think I think that we lie to ourselves a little bit as well. <laughs> like we know it'll be bad, but I think that we underestimate the bad. Of course. <laughs> yeah. Of course. You have to, right? I mean yeah. that's part of when it. When you've been skating like on flat for twenty miles all day and you get to a downhill like I don't really care about the risk at that point. I'm going to go down. What's the longest flat that you had to do? Uh, The trace was actually very rolling. And so for the most part, it was a lot up and down. Um, But it was so mellow that you could actually push the uphills too. Oh, you didn't have to like stop and carry the board. You would sometimes. We would walk uphills on occasion, but some of them you could just Oh, that kind of invalidates your trip actually. (laughs) Just kidding. We were hiking. We're gonna go back and redo those sections. You can do them downhill. Do those sections downhill. You're so right. What like how? What's your average day? Like how many miles do you cover on the board? On this one, we did a little. I think a little over forty miles a day. Damn. Uh, Yeah. Which was actually about eight hours. Yeah. We we do a lot of goofing off, so it's really hard to measure. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. So are you complicated there, formula? Are you out yeah. there skateboarding at like at dawn? Or are you like pounding the pavement at like your dawn? You're like get up. Let's put in a six a.m. Let's put in a let's alpine start miles on the alpine road start, and then like break for breakfast. Like what's what's the day like? Tell us about the day. Yeah, we wake up every morning and give ourselves a huge pep talk about four thirty, and um, <laughs> and then we go back to bed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> We uh we listen to Tony Robbins every night before we uh go to bed, mm-hmm. and then uh, it starts us off right. Yeah, <laughs> it's a good strategy. Really, so you yeah, it don't just do that. What our daily? No, okay. we don't do that. Only sometimes. Yeah. Um, but uh, typically 
uh, it just depends on what kind of day we want to have. So if we need to do a higher mileage day, we'll obviously get up earlier. Um, also, like the human side of it comes in, we can plan for like 630 uh, okay. to get up and start skating. But then it's cold and we're like, ah, you know, we didn't want to do uh, 630 anyways. We want to do 730. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. Right. Uh, let's, let's hop back into the Natchez Trace because I don't want to get too much hate mail uh people be like i wanted to learn about the natchez trace and you guys were just talking about a bunch of bullshit <laughs> um so how long did it take you guys to do the the whole deal i believe it was 12 days end to end any rest days in there or was it just every day you're skating we didn't take any zeros the first two days we only did 30 miles total and then from there we were doing 40 to 50 a day or so Okay. Um, and we were pretty steady on that. There were some days, you know, we were in the high twenties or something like that, but the trace is actually, there's rel despite it being a road, there's relatively few distractions because the whole corridor, the road corridor is owned by the national park service and oh. there are no towns or gas stations or any amenities off the road. You actually have to turn on an intersection and drive off the trace to get to okay. a resupply or something like that. So Whereas when we were in New Mexico, we were being stopped by random passerbys and we were averaging 20 miles a day because we were chatting with everybody. Right. Um, so, but yeah, this one, if you really wanted to put your head down, we were able to just kind of keep cruising. And it was relatively consistent. Um, you know, it, compared to hiking, you can kind of put a trajectory on where you'll be during the day, what your pace will be, because it only varies, you know, maybe one mile an hour if you're going up or down. Um, but on a skateboard, you could be going five miles an hour uphill, or you could be going 20 miles an hour downhill, or now you're walking or something like that. Cause the pavement's bad. So it's, we just allow for the flexibility and whatever comes up to be um, a priority for us. Okay, let, let's say that the, the, the Natchez trace went on forever. You know, I'm curious about, you didn't carry wheels with you. And now that I know that it was only 12 days, that obviously makes some sense, but mm -hmm. I'm curious about how long do you think you could go before you had to replace a wheel? Um, Thousands of miles, probably. Yeah. Oh, really? Okay. Okay. Definitely. Yeah. This might be a, a, a good time to mention. So, Chad Caruso, who did the skate across America this past summer, he skated from Southern California to the coast of Virginia over, I think, 57 days. And he did it on the same set of wheels. And I want to say mm -hmm. that was. Oh. 2000 miles now granted his wheels were completely destroyed gnarly. He, yeah he mm. probably should have changed them out but he just kind of wanted to see if they would go and they, okay. they looked like cauliflower by the time <laughs> he got to virginia so they were torched yeah. and he was also skating a street deck um like a traditional street board with street trucks but with softer wheels whereas we had real big wheels and so yeah. I've had a set of wheels last, you know, three to 5,000 miles. And I think that would be, wow. you, you really, they wouldn't be torched and chunked like Chad's would be. They would, it would more be like uh, the performance of the urethane would kind of go a little bit and not be as responsive, but his yeah. were completely chewed up. Like, that was, yeah, that was crazy. We've had relationships that didn't last as long as a set of wheels. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Oh, that's fantastic. During the day, do you, like, as you're skating down the road, do you carve across the road or do you just stay on the shoulder and keep a straight path? What do, what do you do? 
ideally just like have fun and skate like that's the part of being on a skateboard is you can like have fun with it the trace actually doesn't have shoulders which is the only negative although there's so few cars wow that it really wasn't even much of an issue but on the open roads in new mexico or skating across florida moondago's familiar like you're really sticking on that three foot shoulder and you're getting buzzed by semis Mm. Uh, and so it, it can be real dangerous sometimes on on open roads but the, the trace was very chill we compared it to like a bike path honestly for the most part there were so few cars and they're all accustomed to a lot of bikers and stuff so they yeah. fully move over for you so this the natchez trace it sounds like i mean it doesn't sound like something you would want to hike honestly well the no, 60, it would actually... 60 miles right that are it's actual footpath but that's different than the parkway right it is. Um, you know, not to put them on blast, but we actually tried to hike some of the miles uh, or not or to hike some of the trails. And we actually found that some of them on the old trace like weren't being kept up with. And that, that was kind of disappointing in a way because like we wanted to like follow the footsteps of like people from thousands of years ago. And like how I think kind of like they need to take better care of it so that they could keep people interested. Uh, and keep coming back there because you're not going to go hike a trail that you can't hike on. Unless you live in Idaho, then that's pretty much your only option. <laughs> yeah. I mean, right. Yeah. So it sounds like, okay. So I was thinking that that was the, where you guys were is like the official route, but it sounds like there's also a kind of a footpath, but that's not maintained. Yeah. Part of the historic trace that um, in some areas has that, it's called the sunken trace where the, the footpath. Uh-huh. Yeah, historically has literally trod out a, a mm-hmm. rut in the ground and where that is best preserved they do try to have a trail network through those areas and so they I forget what they were they, I think they broke them up into sections there were like four sections along the trace and along those four separated sections there was a cumulative 60 miles of trail um, Wow! but yeah some of it was maintained some of it very much was not and as far as we could tell we where were we around Tupelo and there was an old cutout of a newspaper of some fellow who had uh through hiked the trace just the whole 444 miles by foot but I mean I don't know how many people are doing that because <laughs> it's really just yeah. walking along the side of the road and occasionally I, hopping on those those trails but yeah I think a lot of people will do it to complete their 11 national scenic trails yes um yeah, and it, it is all kind of looks from the road. It kind of looks the same. Like it changes uh, as you get go like further in one direction. But yeah, it would not be maybe necessarily a terribly fun uh, trail to do for 444 miles. Yeah, I noticed the Park Service has information on their website about uh, bicycling the trace. And I'm curious, did you guys see a bunch of bicyclists out there and if so what did they think about what you guys were doing were they just like perplexed yeah we actually uh had some great experiences with uh some bicyclists on the trail like uh, a couple of them pulled us up uh, an uphill and oh. uh, <laughs> nice. yeah and That's so great. uh yeah, we asked about it as a joke and then they ended up they were like yeah let's do it and so they pulled us up this hill and uh and so that was very but yeah most people were like interested in what we're doing like very rarely do we get a a very negative comment like people are generally interested in it yeah yeah they were asking about our gear and like how many miles a day y'all doing and we were like 50 and they were like 
we do 50. <laughs> so, <laughs> the bicyclist kind of said that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. What, what about rainy days? Did you guys skate during the rain? Yeah, we got rained on. I think it was like the first two or three days. And then again, toward the end of the, toward the end of the trail. And the fun thing about skateboarding in the rain is you get wet from the ground up because the wheels just oh, yeah. spit it right up into you. So you get Ooh. wet from the ground up. Yeah. So that rain jacket really doesn't do a ton for you. And so that just, you know, it's like hiking in the rain. It kind of sucks, but hmm. you can't really just sit around all day. So we just so kind of get wet. skate under an umbrella. like mary poppins yeah Yeah, use it like a sail someday what about the downhills in the rain how is that yeah gotta be dicey yeah you lose grip for sure and you can um it's a lot like drifting in a car i mean if you or hydroplaning in some situations if you really take a corner you'll just completely lose traction and so yeah the hills a lot of the times the steep ones you do kind of carve to control your speed and grip corners and so, yeah, you're, you're a little bit, um, you're praying to whatever you believe in on some of those <laughs> corners. <laughs> wow. Oh That's my incredible. God. That is so cool. As far as the Natchez Trace goes, so like, you're really on this parkway, where are you guys sleeping on an average night on the Natchez Trace? A lot of times we'll uh, like typically just kind of go until we get tired and then just start to look for a spot. Um Generally, we're stealth camping, uh, just finding out like whatever works best. And uh, we practice leave no trace principles. So we're in, we're out and the next morning. You can't ever tell we've been there. It's kind of cool because um, it is technically all a national park. And so there's all these really cool like shelters or not shelters for uh, travelers, but just, you know, interpretive areas where they show about the indigenous people or the natural features of the area and those kind of have like little mini lean-to mm-hmm. shelters like three-sided things oh, we yeah. would sleep in there often um <laughs> there were some bike camps but there were only three in 450 miles so Ooh. i think we stayed in one of those along the tennessee river which was a half a mile bridge skate across the tennessee river that was really really cool did but, you yeah, sleep in any time, bathrooms Yes, I did. He did. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Tell that us about day, it. That was day three of the just sogginess um, yep. of like the That's first three days we got happens. rained on. And uh, we pulled up real late and we were just kind of like, man, is it going to be like this the whole way? And uh, Moondog found a spot for his tent. And I was like, man, I just don't want to deal with this. So I, I'm, I'm I a gentleman. dropped open. <laughs> yeah. What kind of a um, toilet was it? What kind of a bathroom? It was a privy um so yeah i mean I, like I a forest service privy um yeah 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 it was yeah i mean it was park service maintained and yeah pretty small but i kept the door open <laughs> so that yeah you could get some air would but also that so that they oh. see me before they come in because <laughs> it is a road <laughs> and so people, that's like the only stop for some people going from town to town and so i wanted to make sure they knew someone was sleeping in there <laughs> before they yeah. come in so but yeah, that was, you know, proper. You got to get your hiker trash moments in. I feel like after you've done a long trail, and and I feel like a lot of long-distance hikers have had that experience. I've slept in multiple bathrooms myself. Off-trail or? Uh, no, I, actually one, yes, one off-trail. I did sleep in a in a bathroom in, um, on a Utah trip when, when Disco and I were recording. Oh, we met up God. in Utah, and um, that was I an got emergency a, situation. I got a urinary tract <laughs> infection, and no. we were camping 
in Kodachrome State Park and I was like having to pee every 15 minutes, which is what happens. And then every time you pee, it feels so painful. And I was mm-hmm. just getting so cold because I kept getting out of the sleeping bag. And there was a, a bathroom there. Um, it had like three stalls in it. And I was like, I'm going to go sleep in the bathroom because I I have to pee like every 15 minutes. And I'm getting so cold. So I went and slept. And people came in while I was in there. And the lights would come on every time somebody came in. And I was sleeping in the very last stall. I like took my mat and everything in there. But um, I feel like once you've had that experience, like you look at when you're road tripping and stuff. And you come across like a really clean roadside bathroom. You're like, damn, this would be a sweet bathroom to find <laughs> in bad weather. <laughs> like. This would be I amazing. Totally, sleep in here. totally. Yes. <laughs> I feel like it changes your perspective a little bit. Yeah. But I do have one one small complaint about my bathroom is the dang lights were on all night long. Oh no. <laughs> I just like put a, put a dirty sock over my eyes, just as like a blind. <laughs> and uh, that was yeah, that was kind of sad. <laughs> you know, I I've That's a taken good trail tip. Yeah, and yeah. I've taken to always traveling with a buff now. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. in those situations, you can pull it up and it's like a little nicer, little nicer than a dirty sock. Little, and it stays yeah. on, fancy, stays on yeah. better. Yeah. Did you guys have any park service employees inquire as to what the hell you were doing? <laughs> Moondog? <laughs> so we actually had a, a park ranger uh, in like, you know, the park ranger police car. Yeah. Um, pull up beside of us as we're going downhill and uh, he rolls his window down and he's like, I got an email about you. (laughs) Okay. I was like, what? And he's like, I got an email about you. And we're like literally moving side by side as he's telling me this. I like uh, get a little bit closer to his car. I was like, well, was it a good email or bad email? And he was like, it was a good email. Um, and he like said some guy's name and uh, he's like, somebody's trying to get a hold of you. And I was like, hold on one second. We'll stop and, uh, and talk to you. And he's like, enjoy the hills, boys. I'll meet you at the bottom. And he just drove down and waited for us at the bottom of the hill. Wow. <laughs> That's really cool. That's yeah, that guy was awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what was, I can't remember the relationship, but it, the person was trying to get a hold of us that knew Justin. Okay. Hmm. Yeah, I was um, this last uh, work season, I was working out in Arizona, um, monitoring Eagle Nest there for work. And where I was working was like right off the AZT. And um, I befriended a trail angel off the Arizona trail. And she would invite me over whenever there were other hikers that came to her house for dinner and stuff. She was like, come over and meet, you know, the cool hikers that I had for the night or whatever. And so it was actually the day that Moondog told me about the Natchez Trace and we were kind of brainstorming and, you know, we usually decide things within like 20 minutes. And so within the first 20 <laughs> minutes, we were like, let's do the Natchez Trace sometime in the fall. And so I, then I nice. go to Trail Angel's house for dinner and um, I meet all these hikers that she had had, that she was hosting. Mm-hmm. And we were all around the campfire and just sharing stories. And I picked up on one fellow's Southern accent. And I mean, I grew up in Florida, so... It's like my my people. (laughs) So I was like, who, uh, you know, where are you from? And he was like, oh, it's a small town in in Mississippi. Like probably haven't heard of it. And I was like, I was actually looking at a map of Mississippi today for like maybe the first time. And (laughs) I was like, I was kind of looking at some, you know, some towns, which one was it? And he mentioned Tupelo. And I recognized that as one of the trail towns on the, on the trace. And so I asked him if he'd heard of the Natchez trace. And he was like, 
Yeah, my dad is actually like the lead archaeologist for the Natchez Trace, and my mom Whoa. is like the the historian for the Park Service for the Trace. And so he was like, "Yeah, you're gonna skateboard it? Like, what the hell?" But also, you should go southbound. Like, here are all these places to stop at and all this stuff. Wow. And so I took that kind of as a sign, and yeah. we're like, "Okay, let's do this thing." But I didn't get his contact or anything. Um, and it wasn't until we started in Nashville that that hiker Cade, I think is his name, um, Cade found out that we had started in Nashville and we're going south. And he was like, that guy is actually doing it. Like, let me contact my dad who's oh, in Tupelo. Cool. And so, so the dad email blasted, like, I think every employee, <laughs> everybody. <laughs> wow, man. And so like, we got the, we got the, um, the trooper ranger guy that came out and stopped us. But then we also got like janitors and like lawnmowers with park service uniforms that were stopping us <laughs> for Damn, consecutive wow. days afterward. They were like, did you guys get that email? Someone's trying to get a hold of you. <laughs> Cause yeah, once they saw the skaters, I mean, there were only, there was yeah. only us out there on skateboards. So they knew it was us once they saw us. <laughs> yeah. Like, well, wow. These must be them. These must be those yeah. too. <laughs> But so, yeah, that park ranger came up behind us with his lights on and everything. And uh, yeah, I was like, are we getting pulled over or what? <laughs> you know, really that was actually, I, I like have this thing because I got into skating uh, like uh, after I was 30. But I always thought it was cool how skaters would get in trouble with the cops. And it's been like my goal to get in trouble with cops as I'm skating. <laughs> but kind of like we were talking about the changing of times, like that's behind us. Like now they're just excited that we're doing it. Wow. And, and I, whenever he came up with his lights, I was like, it's happening. I was like, finally. <laughs> I'm going to be a real skater. Right. I'm going to have to run from the police. <laughs> right. Skateboarding now. is not a crime, man. <laughs> is, yeah. there any, is there any overlap between board skating and roller skating do you think those groups there is there any overlap there if i look at a venn diagram are there any any people there in the middle do you think it kind of angers us that you've even asked it yeah the, the <laughs> yes perfect at this point. Yeah. We're done here. Hey, I could have asked about rollerblading. Okay, at least it's I asked about roller skating. I mean, nobody really roller skates anymore. It's all rollerblading. What? D'Lo, I thought you were going to roller skate the Florida Trail. What are you talking about? No, roller skating I never is cool said again. I was going to roller skate the Florida Trail. Or no, roller skiing. A... You said roller oh, skiing. Oh, oh yes, I was planning on roller <laughs> skiing. Roller skiing is different than rollerblading. That's, roller that's skiing true. is much more. You know, that's much more acceptable Hardcore. than rollerblading. <laughs> rollerblading, you know, it is what it is. But roller skating, nobody roller skates. Except if you're going to like a roller skating rink. With roller like derby. Children. It's actually, kind of coming back now, actually. A lot of people uh, are is, yeah. using See? roller skates on, on street obstacles and at skate parks and stuff like that. Right. And, I uh, guess I'm, I'm a has-been. It's fine. People do, people do try. Um, there's a race I compete at in Miami. It's like an ultra marathon event, and it's just a 24-hour race you just skate as many miles as you can and there's a category for roller skaters with quad skates and people skate Whoa. 100 plus miles in 24 hours on roller skates it's wow crazy damn mm -hmm. not not to boast about her too much but my girlfriend actually just tried uh roller skating with a pack on and uh ended up doing like 120 miles in two days and skated what? out camped and then uh and then skated back no way dude 
So what was maybe it? maybe it is possible See? to do long distance roller See, skating. See, I'm not crazy. Yeah, well, I'd say I, mean, I might be crazy, yeah. but yeah. this doesn't prove that I'm crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. Okay. Huh. I mean, the hardest part of that probably on a logistics basis would just be having people know that you're roller skating. <laughs> yeah. I also think roller skating, and we're, we're way off. We've gone way yeah, off the rails here. But let me rails. just say, I mean, roller skating is a little more similar to hiking. Okay, so that brings it back to the trail show aspect. But I also think, like, when you talked about going downhill and how you, like, just run off the board if you hit a rock or whatever, you can't do that with roller skates. Like, you're committed. I mean, those skates, the wheels are on your feet. Yeah, you cannot no run off your board. You just point that you thing know? down and go. Chuck. Yeah. <laughs> so, I and, don't know. Uh, in those 120 miles that she did, uh, she's now missing a chunk of skin from her elbow and mm. a little bit from her butt as well. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, man. It, it Wait, happens, I guess. Moondog and Justin, when you guys start the first ever through skating podcast, if you have any <laughs> Technical questions about podcasting. Just just hit us up. We'll share what we know. So what's Perfect. next after the notch yeah, has traced through skate? Notch, what's the what's next, next through skate? We haven't really picked uh, next through skate. What kind of the, the way that Ridge. What about the Blue Ridge? Oh, the Blue Ridge Parkway. Yeah. I would cool. actually say there's too many cars <laughs> for that. Yeah. yeah. What about we'd, like we'd something have to wild the right like time. the Alcan High in the Alcan Highway that goes to Alaska? Someone is. Yeah, someone skated that this last summer. Paul Kent is like what? You know, kind of he's kind of like the godfather spray. of through skating, and he started. But isn't that a dirt put this road? On the map. It kind of is. It's like gravel. <laughs> he's he started this like wow. you know, the real essence of through skating, where you you're fully self supported with like through hiking gear, and you're camping every night. He skated with two others um, across the Andes in Peru and Bolivia in like 2010 with big old packs and what? crazy setups like old school distance boards and he's still going he just skated the alcan highway which i think is 1500 miles through just absolutely treacherous pavement and obviously you know maybe 100 miles between each town like mm. every time um mm -hmm. but it is possible but it, it's definitely not a lot of skating it's a, you know um he's, he's strong yeah yeah mm -hmm. you canal towpath i think that's mostly bicyclists that do that i think that's an old rails to trails but it, I think it's paved or cement or a mix that that could possibly work for a skateboard. I might suggest through skating in Finland because those roads are very hilly, and we were just there this summer, and um, there's not a lot of traffic, very not well. a lot of people, yeah, but they're very friendly, and there's great great fruit there in the summertime. I, I just watched I just watched a quick short video of Paul Kent skateboarding on a ice road with studded yes wheels. ice road with studded, studded wheels studded oh my wheels. god <laughs> look it up it's amazing okay. yeah, this wow. is crazy you could you could spend a long time following paul kent you could just be like Whoa. He's, he's also a through hiker he's done the yeah. uh, great divide up in canada because he lives yeah. in uh, calgary oh. and uh, yeah he he did the peru and bolivia skate he went to morocco um that is the cool thing with the skating is that you make your own route and so there's no mm -hmm. you know right or wrong answer on where you can go there's no expectations on like there's, that's a fast pace no, or that's a there's slow no pace blazes. there's, there's no, no yeah, count exactly. the, there's no count the blazes.org 
yeah involved yeah, with thrift skating <laughs> it's literally like the choose your own adventure books yeah mm -hmm. like, and we actually trace different yeah because the trace yeah. was a trail and it had mile markers so it was different for us but it was fun in its own way oh that's so cool so oh. i i feel like we we could go on another mm -hmm. hour but and we told you guys 15 20 minutes and i'm sure we've done double that at this point yeah is and Moondog hasn't slept in like four days, no, so guy, we need to <laughs> let him go. Is there go. anything else about the Natchez Trace or about through skating in general that we haven't asked you about that you guys want to get out there? I would say for skaters that are curious, uh, there's a lot of skaters out there and a lot of backpackers, and I'm sure um, there are Venn diagrams where <laughs> there's some overlap. I mean, like us. Yeah. And I would say the biggest obstacle to through skating is the danger of it. If you're not used to navigating you know your own downtown on a skateboard then going on a highway is going to be terrifying and sometimes you have to hop off the road and make some sketchy decisions and people aren't expecting you out there but the trace is i'd say the safest one to do and it has a route for you you know there's an end mark there's no terminus necessarily but we don't get terminuses on through skates either but yeah the trace i'd say would be the perfect starter for someone trying trying this out uh, it's you know 450 miles you can skate it pretty chill it's good pavement and um it's kind of already laid out for you like a through hike would be i think one of the things about uh through skating that makes something like uh the natchez trace like more enjoyable is like when you're in a car and you drive those 444 miles you're like that was a nice lovely drive but like when you're on a skateboard you literally have to uh, like go through towns and uh -huh. uh, you get like the true essence of what a place is really like and what the people there are like uh, rather than it just being something that you see at your window. Yeah. yeah so yeah. the whole it's idea cool. of slower travel, right? I mean, you can kind of interact with more if you're traveling at a slower pace. So. Yeah. That's what's beautiful about like through hiking is you mm -hmm. kind of learn more about you like can learn more about a town by being there overnight than people that have lived there for quite a while. Do you guys have any photos of your through skate of the trace online? Uh, we do on Instagram. Okay. Where, where should yeah. we point people? Mine is root town. R O O P T O W N. And mine is my name, Justin bright with, uh, with number ones instead of the letter I real, real complicated. Ah, okay. yes. <laughs> we'll put links to both you guys' Instagrams. That's awesome. I think your yeah. trail name should be just in like that's just oh. in, you know, I've never <laughs> heard that one before. Well, Moondog and Justin, thank you guys. Thank both of you for coming on the show tonight to, to like educate all of us about, through skating and what you guys did on the Natchez Trace. This is really unique and really cool. So thank you both. Yeah, yeah thank you so on. much for having us on. Awesome. Well, it's nice meeting you guys. And yeah, uh, nice thanks for you. thanks for joining us on this this junk show that we call a podcast. And thanks for telling us about through skating. We knew nothing yeah. about it. Yeah, Absolutely very cool. It's great. It's a whole thing. Yeah. Whole thing. Thanks for having yeah. uh, half hikers on, half skaters. <laughs> That's right. awesome. And uh, let us know what you're doing next. We'd love to yeah. have you back on in the future. Awesome. Sure. So that'd be great. Cool. cool. All, right. All right. Cheers, guys. Cheers. Yeah, guys. All right, folks, we're going to go to break. When we come back, we've got oh, so a couple of hotline calls, maybe some Ask a Hiker with Delo, and who knows? Uh, don't go anywhere. <laughs> Thank you.
This is Justin. This is Moondog. And I never watch... What was the name of the show again? Trail Show is back. And we're going straight to the hotline. Well, we can report that uh, Mr. Marvin Maverick Kessler has kept his promise. Because we only got one hotline call, and it was not from him. When the lights go down in the forest And the sun shines on the lake Oh my God. Oh, I want to be there in my busy Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> oh that's it that God. was our only hotline call that was tremendous <laughs> if that's going to be our only hotline call that's that's an amazing hotline call. i think we should play it again oh yeah <laughs> Do our <laughs> listeners, do our listeners? I agree think so. I think so. <laughs> um, I will say that not having you know, Maverick, we miss you. We hope you're alive out there. Um, but yeah, you see what we have to resort to playing hotline calls over again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the sun shines on the lake. Oh, I want to be there in my busy. Oh, oh, oh. I want to be there in my busy. What a song. That's amazing. What a song. An anthem. D-Lo, how does that make you feel? Yeah, I feel like I want to be at the lake <laughs> when the lights go down <laughs> in my bivy. I mean, how, how else am I supposed to feel? You know, the thing I like about that the most is that someone heard the original song, and they were probably out on trail, and they were like, man, I could change the lyrics a little bit. But you know what? I should do that. And I'm going to call the Trail Show hotline and sing it. Like they, you know, they thought they of planned, both of yeah. these things. They were like, I need to do this. Yeah. It's a beautiful world sometimes. This is what I want to do. POD, do you have a trail tip this month? Um, I do. Because I saw that you uh-huh. have one on our itinerary. Oh, yeah. I do have a trail tip. And this is me preaching to myself. I'm going to do a little self preaching here. Well, I need to play the music first. Anyway, so my trail tip is that um, for those of us who live in states with a change of seasons in the northern hemisphere, winter is coming. And that's not my tip. But my tip is... That it's a perfect time. <laughs> it's a perfect Thanks, time. John Snow. <laughs> My tip is that now's a good time to do some planning. Um, I this summer 
I did a lot of rehiking of things that I've already hiked. I did not hike very much new stuff, and that was okay because the summer previous, I wasn't able to do anything because of my back. And that's just kind of what I felt like I wanted to do. I just wanted to like do stuff around here and and also going hey. and doing new things requires planning. You got to know where the trailheads are and the conditions and blah, 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 blah. And so what I've decided for myself is that I need to actually invest some time this winter in planning out some trips for next season Ooh. so that when that time comes, I'm not bogged down in the planning and the planning isn't a barrier for me to go do things that I love. And I, I am, I am really lucky to have mountain access right here. And I could, I could pull a DLO and just do the same peaks every single summer. But what I would like to do is mix in some stuff that's new as well. So my trail tip, I could go do ring the peak every summer if I want to, but my, my, my yeah, hope man. and my goal is that I will do some planning this winter Mount so that I can go do some, some new things next year. <laughs> yes. Flagstaff mountain. I'm not sure if you noticed POD, but, um, I actually moved to the other side of the. Yeah, I know. Cube. I was just <laughs> like, I was just taking a pock shot when the opportunity was there. It's, it's fine. It's it's fine, but it's not Camelback. accurate. You know the saying goes: you can never step in the yeah. same river twice. So yeah, don't feel bad if you go on I the don't, same trails. I don't feel bad. I had a great summer. I really there's enjoyed just, my summer. There's also something to be said about like being on a trail multiple times and knowing it well. That's all POD does. And I'm going to continue to go up Chavano and Yale and all those mountains. Times, how many times Mid- you go up Chavano this summer, POD? This summer, I don't know, six, eight. Okay, you're giving Dilo garbage for going up the same trails. You went up Chavano six times this summer. That's my backyard hike. Well, Isn't Dilo there another mountain backyard. you could go hiking nearby? Yes, that is my point, is that, you know, I have access to a lot of stuff, but it does require being ready to go, like saying, okay, I'm going to go do this trip that's two days or three days for the, for my weekends and for the even the summer to, to not be bogged down in the planning when the time arrives. Just like, it's oh. like everything. Like when you want to, start running again and you're like okay i gotta go running tomorrow morning you know what i'm gonna do i'm gonna unlace my shoes i'm gonna put my socks right there i'm gonna pack my running pack i'm gonna get every single thing ready so that i don't have a single reason to be delayed to do the thing that just the hardest piece is just getting out the door sometimes so for for me for hiking sometimes going on trips because i often go on them by myself is like the planning piece like i gotta plan it out and figure it out and that's fine. And I drag my feet sometimes and I find an extra task to do. But once I get out there, I'm so glad that I went. So you know? QD, on the internet, you can find a lot of research and, and people yes. hike the hikes before. Of course. But you, you still, know what that's... I like to do? You know what I like to do? I like to bookmark those pages so that I don't have to find them all again. And so that I've just got like a folder in my bookmarks mm-hmm. of all the hikes in the Adirondacks. Like next time in the Adirondacks and I'm looking for family hikes, I've got like 10 family hikes all right there. And I'd be like, boom, which one haven't we done? Oh, we did that one, but it was three years ago. Let's go do that one. So that's what I do. I keep track that's of awesome. those things. Yeah. I'm a spreadsheet. I'm an Excel sheets gal. Yeah. I like to put stuff in there. Yeah, so. put it in the spreadsheet. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. So I'm that's book, my tip. My I'm tip is. Mark. Put it in a spreadsheet. Mm-hmm. 
I, bo- I like to book it's, marks bowling alleys. It's not only that, like it's it's taking away all the little barriers, right? Like so, the planning you're talking about, but also like collecting the gear, putting mm-hmm. it in a ba- like all these things. If you can like reduce the barriers, yeah. So as much as I, possible. Can I tell you guys so about easier. one of my? I need to tell you about one of my big barriers right now. One of my big barriers is if if I drive to a trail to go for a trail run, which I might do tomorrow, I need some place to put my phone, keys, and wallet. And I I no longer have a hip pack. So my big barrier right now is a lack of a hip pack, lack of mm. a fanny pack. And I, I, I just, I mean, I, I, I might not be able to leave the house tomorrow. Well, I guess you'll be riding that bike then instead. (laughs) Because I I can ride my bike to a trailhead to go for a trail run. No, I I meant the stationary bike. No, I don't ride that thing. No, I don't ride that thing. No, no. It's going to be 60 degrees tomorrow. I'm not going to ride a stationary bike. (laughs) Dilo, I've been bookmarking bowling alleys on my computer. Really? Oh, would you care to tell our listeners about that? No. No. (laughs) He doesn't want the secrets out. No, it's a secret. Anyway, moving on. Should we go into our donors? Yeah. We've got our 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 monthly, our VIPs, our heavy hitters. Bernard Wolf, oh. Russ Not Fuss Kinder, Craig Pisco Gully, Bobby Walters, Trevor Smoke it if you got it, the bowl man. Jeffrey Cottonmouth Caldwell, Diane Pinkers, David Sarcasm the Alfitty, Justin Quality Knowles, Ingrid Gerard, Pat the Bouncer Dixon. The Weekend, Ammon the Bruce, Bruce. Renee, Shira, Patrick, Wesley, the Haggis Addict, Greenwood, Kevin, Chickpea Cross, and Sasha, Honeydew Code Timo, not Tim Williams, Tommy, the Meat Popsicle, Stevens, Brandon, Lost Balls, Love Lady, Phil, Felipe, Gilbert, Dave, the Old, Ancient, Prehistoric Hale. <laughs> Tony Sheboygan Brewing hits Rachel Die Bama Die Merchant Dance Hump Sun Richie Ridlich Lemuel Glasgow Mark Willie G Homeyer I need it Daniel Fundip Sharp Kill Bill Cottrell Vermont Woody Yukon Caboose Bass Matt Phantom of the Opera Tim the Hooch Hoochins Paul Chula Hey Baby Tyler, the Kerminator, Kermawade, Andrew Paget, Pat Pipkin, Bob Hobo Evans, down on the farm, Victor Flamingo Newton, Terminator. Simon the German Vampire Rosenfeld, Die by my die. Marvin Maverick Kassler, Those gatos have been have been crushing it lately. Jack Thigh High Billings, Jim the Heathen, Hebner, Paul Tebow. Chisholm and our one-offs. We've got a major one-off this month, people. Oh boy. We've got the largest one-off in, in Trail Show Nation history. history. Glenn Vampaski. The one and only GVP, not to be confused with TVP. Very, Very different, different things. Very different. GVP. Sir, we salute you and we thank you. Yep. For keeping the trail show alive. Yep. Beating us. Yeah. No. And so it's funny because those tables. guys those guys brought up Gossamer Gear tonight in their, their interview. Yeah. So there you go. 
unprovoked. all full circle. Unprovoked. Yeah. Totes. Yeah, that's our donors. That's I think that's everybody for the month. With that, we should go straight into Trill. No, not Trill of the Month. We've already done that. Ask a Hiker with Mike DiLorenzo. <laughs> Dilo, did you get what? any questions this month? No, not really. Okay. All right. Well, wait, that's actually, no, I think I did. Wait. Oh, no, actually, oh wait. What? I'm sorry. We have one question. Okay. Should I read it? Please. Is it that time? It is. It's that time. Okay. On a recent walk in the woods, two questions came up. Are there foods you only eat on the trail, but never eat at home? And if you could bring something to fight a bear in the woods you didn't have to carry into the woods, what would it be? My answer for context is the blue horse outside the Denver airport. The second question started with one of us thinking how we would start a service where we just fight bears for people in the woods. They quit asking what hikers do about bears. When hiking... All questions are valid. This question is from Boo and Slackjaw. Shout out for all the beer. Should we instant mashed potatoes? Okay, yeah. Uh, Okay. Tackle question number one first. Yeah, I would agree. Actually, oh, that was my my answer to question number two. Yeah, totally. Fighting a bear. (laughs) Oh, you bring instant mashed potatoes to fight the bear. Okay. Oh, because you can uh, throw it. Yeah, you throw it into the bear's throw. mouth. It dries it up and then doesn't want to eat you. Or if you throw it into its eyes, it can't see. And then you yep. could like hit the bear in the nose and then it would run away. All right. So I think, I think it like most everything I ate on my first through hike would fall into this category. But as I've done more hiking, mm-hmm. I eat less and less. You know, let me just say this. There is one food that people eat on trail that they should not only never eat at home, but they should also never eat on trail. And that would be tuna mac. I hereby nominate tuna mac to be deleted from anyone and everyone's trail diet. What about tuna mac hot dish? Mixing tuna and macaroni and cheese is the most disgusting thing a person can do on or off trail that's now, my vote now you could mix tuna and chicken and it's just less disgusting what tuna no, and I chicken? chicken i think tuna mac is fine on trail i think, I it's, think no, tuna mac is fine in life. Why, but anyways, why man i would, would do that? it i think everything's is- i think everything's kind of fair game on trail i'm with disco though i there's not there's not much that I eat on trail now that I don't eat in the real world. I just eat different Yo, I used proportions to mix of it. Instant mashed potatoes with stovetop stuffing on the trail. And that was my day. Yeah, that's gross. Like, what kind of uh, life is that? You know what I do? <laughs> something like I have on trail. <laughs> yeah. Something I have on trail that I don't consume very much of in my civilian life, but every now and then I do is. um. Uh, crystal light purple drink with caffeine. Yo, I used to drink warm lemonade crystal light on trail. Like, what kind of yeah. life is that? <laughs> but I yeah, so, I mean, sometimes I'm eating stuff on trail that I wouldn't like the form of it, right? Like, I don't make dehydrated black beans. What in real life? I, I do use real us. black beans and make black beans. 
Yeah, that's true. I do right. eat like, more but whole I beans. Will, but I'll eat the dehydrated, like, refried beans on the trail. So yeah. it's just a version of my real life stuff. I have them at I have them at school for backup lunches. I also like when you get the dehydrated refried beans and you open the package, the ones on top are giant flakes because they haven't been broken yet. So I like to eat those ones like chips. So that's very exciting. Yo, I watched my friend Matty Speedo Erlas put Cheetos in a packet of tuna and eat that. What kind of life <laughs> is that? You know, Disco and I have talked about this, how it would be really funny to have people, and I may have mentioned this before, have people over that think through hiking is like this amazing, glamorous thing and serve them a trail meal. So serve them like a Canor side or Lipton side, whatever it's called, you know, um, you know, Cheddar Brock or whatever. Spam. And yeah, and be like, but wait, you know, I have some, you know, chicken packets or whatever and like rip open a foil packet yeah. of chicken and just you know scrape it in there and like and put then, in like an extra ramen like spice yes snack. yeah and then put yes. salt and olive oil in there and then you can be like yeah. serve them some room temperature watered down emergency right to go with it and then you're like but wait for dessert there's twix you know like just the typical lame hiker meal Yo, I watched my friend Matty Speedo Erlas take warm water in a bottle with yeah, instant so oatmeal and pistachio pudding, shake it up, and drink it like a Slurpee. What kind of life is that? <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty gross. That's definitely something that you should not eat off trail right there. <laughs> or on trail. Oh, man. Yeah, anyway. Uh something to fight a bear in the woods. And you okay. didn't have to carry in. Wait. What does that mean? How do you bring it in if you don't have to carry it in? This it is hypothetical. It appears in your hand. Yeah. It's like I have to fight the bear. I have the blue horse from the Denver airport. Oh, I see. Okay, okay, okay. I got it now. Like this is hypothetical beauty. Yeah. Mm. This is not chemical engineering. Or or if there was a <laughs> service or if there was a service that would bring things into the woods for you to your camp in case you needed them to fight a bear overnight, right? It's like it's the, the bear weapon service. Maybe another bear? Which meets you at camp. Yeah. Another bear to meet me at camp to fight the other bear, maybe? Yeah, I feel like the, the blue horse from Denver is just gonna cause problems because Depending on if it's like a grizzly bear, it's going to want to show dominance over yeah. the horse. It's going to be a fight. It's going to encourage blue a horse fight. horse is pretty tall. Do you think a grizzly bear would challenge the blue horse? I mean, it's like yeah. a 20 foot tall horse, right? Grizzly um, bears are crazy. Maybe. Yeah. But don't most like, grizzly bears avoid people on horseback? Isn't that sort yes, of a, a thing? I think so. Yeah, it is. They don't like pack animals. Yeah. I'll tell you what I bring. One of my favorite YouTubers in the world, Camping Steve Wallace. So he likes to go car camping in the Canadian Rockies in grizzly country. And he routinely sets up a portable electric fence around the perimeter of his car camping area. I would love, I mean, maybe this isn't something you would use to fight per se, but being able to like set up a portable electric fence, like if you're hiking the Great Divide Trail, think about that. You'd be able to set that up magically every night. You could mm -hmm. just go to go to bed blissfully 
not have to worry about Grizz? Come on. I wonder if there's not a lightweight version that you could make. I mean, somehow. you need you need there, some there high used voltage, to be bro. yeah. A while ago, there was a company that was trying to make. They had like the Kevlar Ursac type bag that had an electrical charge on it that you could well, deactivate. I know, but 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 their their whole idea was that you charge it at night, and so then if a bear does try to get into it, they're giving getting a negative response from okay. the like the shock. But I don't think it was ever approved as a product because like you know it's causing harm to animals and stuff and i think the fda was like nah i don't think so i want an electric sleeping bag (laughs) so if that thing tries to bite me it gets a shock shocked or if your partner like rolls too close and touches you (laughs) (laughs) or maybe just temp poles yeah maybe the temp poles electric temp poles but what if you're like in a fr- frantically trying to get out in the middle of the night because you got to pee real bad and you like grab hold of one for stabilization, then you just you're gonna piss yourself, piss yourself all over the tent. It's gonna be a problem. What kind of life is that, Dilo? Uh, so you went with the blue horse. I mean, does anybody have any other ideas? No, I didn't about... go with the blue horse. That's oh. what that's what Boo and Slackjaw went with. Okay. Um, what do you go I with? Think, uh, to fight a bear. I would I would um, bring in Boo and Slackjaw to fight the bear for me. <laughs> I don't know who they are, how big they are, how intimidating they might be, but if I could put them no. between me and the bear, I feel like my chances of survival would increase. So, well, they're yeah. very peaceful folk, but maybe they could like they could fight the bear with like positive vibes, maybe. <laughs> Wasn't there some engineer or something who made a bear-proof suit? What? No, I think you're thinking of the mushroom death suit. No, I, this is a suit that was designed to withstand a grizzly bear attack. Oh, maybe. Hmm. What you know? What it wouldn't I'd really do? help you fight it. It would just help you survive. Was it made from like knights? You know that. It was very similar to night armor, but chain you know, mail. Like chain like mail. Yeah. yeah. That's that's SUL. Well, that would be comfortable to hike in. I mean, chain mail is not going to do you much good because it's going to get crushed by the. Yeah, I mean, that's true. Have some some structure. Yeah. So you might need a knight. An actual Dungeons kn- and Dragons. Yeah. See, someone out there. Oh, there you go. That's the answer. Piercing, the answer. slashing, and bludgeoning weapons. That's going like, to be the new thing. Hiking yeah. in grizzly country, people are going to be wearing armor. full knight's armor, but with their, like, you know, hyperlight mountain gear, <laughs> super ultralight backpack. And and they'd keep their food in an earth sack at night. Yeah. What yeah. about with a jetpack? With a charge. Think, yeah. think if like you were getting charged by a bear, you could just lift off the ground twenty feet, and you could just sit there and look. Or what down about and be like? Yeah, or maybe <laughs> a lightsaber. The, the thumb. No, I mean I just I just like the idea of being able to lift off the ground and float. You know, mm-hmm. 15, so what if 20 you were? Feet. What if you floated real high in the air so the bear couldn't get you, and then you could have like a real long poker and you could <laughs> poke it in the and eye and start messing with it. You start dropping you could, water balloons on You could pee on it. Oh, what dude, if you brought a cocaine hippo with you? Ooh, now you're talking. That, Not deal. only are you okay. saving All right, yeah. saving $10,000 for the government of Colombia by getting it out of there. You know, also, that's an interesting proposition. Who do you think would win in a hippo grizzly fight? I think the hippo wins. I think the hippo yeah. might. 
hippos are they're bigger aren't they they're bigger and i think that they could break the bear's head with one chomp yeah one chomp and those those teeth they got in there are like spears well and i also think it's not just the teeth but the power yeah you know like we would ask boo and slackjaw to bring us a hippo yes but not just any hippo a cocaine hippo it's yeah. gotta be, yeah. It's what gotta Pablo be. Escobar's hippos. Yeah, yeah. Yo, check this out. Adult male hippos weigh between four thousand and nine thousand pounds. Oh my god! And are between eleven and sixteen feet long. Oh, I think no way a bear can handle that. There's no way. That's the wow. Ticket. You bring a cocaine hippo with you up in there. That's crazy. just think if you had a math hippo be all skinny don't bring two hippos <laughs> because then you have but it'd be crazy his teeth would be falling out no. but they're, they're but they're crazy they feel yeah, no pain they're, they're indestructible they're, they're like zombies but their teeth would be brittle and they'd be all skinny yeah that's true okay there was a Wait. hippo recorded the largest known hippo nine thousand nine hundred pounds 16 feet from mouth to tail Wow. That's crazy. Are, are we done with the trail show? I think so. <laughs> we just lost Dila. Okay. Yeah, I think we're done. Is this the part of the show where the show ends? Thanks to everyone for tuning in today. Big thanks goes to Moon Dog and Justin for guesting on tonight's show. Many thanks to all our hotline callers. You too can be an audio megastar by calling the hotline at 720-893-2269. That's 720-893-2269. Last, but definitely not least, thanks goes to all our monthly donors. Trail show stickers are in stock. Get yourself a variety pack while they last with a $15 or more donation at thetrailshow.com. Infrequently, we are on social media at Instagram.com slash The Trail Show, Facebook.com slash The Trail Show, Twitter slash Trail Show. We're on Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, Audible, Apple, Spotify, and everywhere else you download your favorite shows. Thanks for hiking with us today. We know you have many podcasts to choose from, and we appreciate you hiking with The Trail Show. Come back and see us again in December for our annual trail show Just Elfin' Around Christmas Spectacular, which is guaranteed <laughs> to be full of beers, trails, and nonsense. Oh my god. Until then, I'd like to leave you with some words from Pennsylvania native and author Anna Quindolin. The life you have led doesn't need to be the only life you have. For the Princess of Darkness, D-Low, the Triple O, Justin and Moondog. I'm not Disco. <laughs> Ciao. <laughs> well well done, done. Well done. My God. Well done. Uh, sorry, I didn't. This fun. is the end of the Thanksgiving special. What are this you all is... thankful for? I'm thankful for bathrooms to sleep in, that's for sure. <laughs> I'm thankful think... for good people and good trails. I'm thankful that it's not humid and raining. I'm thankful for all the trail workers who made these great trails for us and all the great people I've met along with. 
Yeah, we wake up every morning and give ourselves a huge pep talk about 4.30. You're praying to whatever you believe in on some of those corners. <laughs> we, uh, we listen to Tony Robbins every night before we uh, go to bed. You can never step in the yeah. same river twice. We've had relationships that didn't last as long as a set of wills. I've slept in multiple bathrooms myself. Off trailer. How bad do I sound? Pretty bad. Okay. What's the name of this show again?